Welcome to the one and only Circle City Cinema with your host and the one and only Zach Griffin. Hello and welcome into Circle City Cinema. I'm your host, Zach Griffin, and I'm joined by the founder of the Hook Podcast Network, host Alex Burt. Alex, Alex, how are we doing tonight? I'm doing great, doing great, Zach. Uh, thanks for having me. You know, just just excited to be here. Excited to talk about one of the best movies of last year. Absolutely was the Iron Claws. What we're here to talk about tonight. I I saw it twice, Alex, in the theater because I'm a psychopath and like depressing myself in movie theaters. Uh, I saw it once with our good friend Bryce Shaddy, and I saw it a second time with. Basically, all there's basically uh, all the Griffith gentlemen get together, go to the theaters. Me, my dad, my brother, and my grandpa, and we all went. And you know, none of us huge wrestling fans, but the cool thing about this movie to me, Alex, was you don't really have to be a wrestling fan or even a sports fan to enjoy this movie because or appreciate it at least because it's just such a crushing movie uh inspiring movie as well incredibly well acted incredibly well made alex so just it was a story that wrote itself unfortunately uh but blew me away blew me away it, it, it came out during a hot spot week like a two-week period where you had like you had Maestro, you had Ferrari, you had this, uh, you had to a much lesser degree, you had Rebel Moon come out on Netflix. Like a bunch of great stuff came out. Wonka came out, and to me, this stood on top of all those ones that I just mentioned. Yeah, and I think a lot of it goes to well, first of all, to touch on how sad the story was, um, they actually had to cut out one of the brothers. I don't know if you saw that. Um, yeah. One of the brothers, there was six brothers, and they're like, if we have another death in here, this is going to be too tragic, too sad. We can't make it. We, this will be too much death upon death upon death, because all those brothers, with the exception of the first one, died in, I think all died within 10 years of each other in real life. Um, So it was kind of an insane kind of order of succession there. But the acting in this movie is kind of what puts it over the top because Efron. Oh, he Efron kind of comes off like I feel like emotionally stunted at the beginning of the movie, but then like kind of sheds, you know, like the traditional masculinity almost, Hello, especially evolution. from that. Exactly. And I thought it was a beautiful showing of that. And I thought, oh, wow, I thought Efron, he was the real big takeaway from this movie for me, like. Oh. Out of all, all the parts of this movie, a lot of it was great, but he was by far the best part of it. I agree. Him and the director, Sean Durkin, were the big the big eye-openers for me as well. Uh, I don't want to say like this was totally out of left field, out of the blue for Zac Efron, because he did... He did play Ted Bundy in a movie a couple years ago. Granted, not nearly as good of a movie as this, but you know, he was he was trying something different. 
he was trying to shed the comedies, you know, he was trying to shed the Disney Channel stuff. And that was kind of the first step of him doing that. And then this, I mean, this is an Oscar worthy in worthy performance. There's no other way to put it. Um, it's definitely, I think it's one of the five uh, L actor performances I've seen this year, Alex, uh, or last year, I guess. Um, and Sean Durkin as well. I mean, it was only his third feature film. I never heard of him until this movie came out. Uh, definitely going to be somebody to watch going forward. But we're going to have a whole talk about Efron later. Uh, but Alex, I'm stealing. I'm stealing your mooch in the interest of throwing you a curveball. When a movie you watch, movie or show, movie or show that you're going to pound the table for right here. That you you're gonna demand to be seen because that's how I feel about the Iron Claw. I, I'm demanding people to go see this movie. It's gonna crush you. It's gonna rip your heart out. It, it, it's gonna make you cry. Almost made me cry the second time around. Uh, but Alex, a movie or a show that you're gonna pound the table for uh, and demand that people watch. This one might be a little out of left field. Well, for I have I have two. Okay. I told you recently I, I liked Reacher, ironically. To remove the ironically, yeah. Reacher fucking rips, okay? It is so awesome. Season two is dramatically better than season one. I, I, I'm i just going to say, I, I think the writers did their best in season one. You know, sometimes your best just isn't very good. But season two, you know, I don't know what happened. I don't know if they took some PEDs, but it's, it's significantly better. Then... Um, the the movie I think that'll be out of left field. Zach, have you ever seen Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story with John C. Riley? I have unironically been listening to the soundtrack for that movie for the last like week and a half. John C. Riley can sing, first of all. Second of all, the scene where uh. Paul Rudd and Jack Black are the Beatles. <laughs> and Jack White is Elvis. Look out now. Only one man knows karate, and that's the king, man. Look out now. That's kind of hard to follow, Elvis. And also, um, Tim Meadows in that movie. Have you noticed Tim Meadows just never misses? Never. Tim Meadows has never, ever missed in his life. Um... And you have never once paid for drugs. Not once. <laughs> There's like a whole intervention scene where they all have different lines. And he just keeps saying, you have never once paid for drugs. <laughs> it's such like a perfect parody of the music biopic. And it's honestly like kind of foreshadowing where the movie industry went. I, I thought it was brilliant in a lot of ways. Absolutely love that movie. Pound the table for that movie, Zach. What's yours? I'm on the table for John C. Riley just in general because he absolutely he he's actually in the movie that I'm going to pound the table for. Oh, great! Uh, in a different genre, but pounding the table nonetheless. Magnolia. I watched this uh, last month. It had been on my list uh, for years. It's in my collection back here. Um, just I had been putting it off because it's three hours. 
and I just didn't. I don't know. I just it was three hours. It was daunting. I was putting it off, and then uh, last month I made it a mission, uh, movie wise, to watch all of Paul Thomas Anderson's movies and rank them on Letterbox, which I'm proud to report that I've done. And this ranked very highly on there. It's I think it's a movie you need to watch at least once. You got Tom Cruise in a role that he probably should have won Best Supporting Actor for. He was nominated for it, and he didn't. Uh, I'm a bigger Tom Cruise fan than most most people you might meet nowadays, but he should have won for that movie. You got Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, you got Julianne Moore. All the usual stuff. Thomas Anderson movie, but just and John C. Riley, John C. Riley as well, with yeah, he if it wasn't for Cruz, he might have put in the best performance. John C. Riley of the movie, just it's such it's a, it's just a wrapped up story connecting a bunch of different people in uh, in uh, I think it's the San Fernando Valley in California, but it, it's it's I've never seen a movie like it. I'll just say. Well, I think you sold me. For it. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm doing here. I mean, this is hard to explain. Like, if you read the premise online, you're like, I don't really get it, what that's about. And I think that's the point of the vague premise is they want you to fall for the big stars that are in it and just watch it and take it in and... It's a hell of a movie. I gave it a five out of five. Uh, probably going to be a couple years before I fire it up again, but I think it could definitely benefit from a rewatch. But definitely a movie that I feel like everyone needs to see at least once. So that's my That's um, by just real quick to hijack the conversation here. John C. Riley is he the most underrated actor? of the past like 25 years i feel like everything everyone knows him for is just comedies but he has real serious range yeah i mean he does i mean he he that's a good that's a good question (laughs) all right alex well let's get into the reason we're here the iron claw uh Directed and written by Sean Durkin, starring Zac Efron. A pretty heavy cast here. Zac Efron, Jeremy Allen White, Harris Dickinson, Maura Tierney, Holt McCallany, Lily James. Um, let's just start with Zac Efron, Alex. I mean, they, like you said, he was the best part of this movie, in my opinion. Uh, I said off the top, it was an Oscar nominee worthy performance. It's not really looking like it's going to get him one. If you're looking at becomeonvariety.com and they're predicting, you know, Bradley Cooper, Coleman Domingo, Paul Giamatti, Killian Murphy, and Jeffrey Wright. So those are the five they're predicting right now. No Leo. That catches my eye. No Leo. No Zac Efron. Uh... They actually have Paul Giamatti winning. They predict him to win for the holdovers. That's interesting. That's uh, crazy. 
So I agree with that. But you know what's funny, Zach? I don't know. I, I was doing a lot of research after this movie because I was obsessed with this movie um, after I saw it. And Kevin Von Erich, Carrie Von Erich, and particularly David Von Erich. And I mean, Harris Dickinson was not um, short, but and now granted, Zach, you would agree with this statement. It's hard to find good, <laughs> tall actors in Hollywood. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. It's not a. Um, like Tom Cruise is famously what five five, very short. Yeah, Al Pacino also famously very short. Um, yeah, this doesn't breed. This isn't like a breeding ground for uh, you know our biggest and our tallest. You know, this is like. So I, I think that's kind of it was interesting there. But other than that, you know, like he, I think they were doing all their own stunts. Right. They brought in a WWE wrestler, Chavo Guerrero, um, to train them. And it was pretty convincing, like all the stunts they were doing, the physique, you know, and like those aren't easy stunts to pull off. Like you, I don't think I think people take for granted how difficult professional wrestling is. Like they're just like, oh, professional wrestling's fake, professional wrestling's fake without taking into account. These guys are practically acrobats. Not practically. <laughs> These guys are well, acrobats. That's exactly the word you would use, like especially when Efron's like jumping off the top rope uh, against like Harvey Race in that scene. Uh, you know the whole Ric Flair fight between Kevin and him, like. And I would say, honestly, where it was hard to tell the difference between stunt and real was when Mike Von Erich hurts his shoulder is that you know that looked like that actor was actually doing it actually messed up his shoulder and you know that that looked legitimate and then also when Efron gets thrown on the concrete like that all looks real it just and the thing I was blown away by actually had nothing to do with the wrestling movie was it's probably really simple how they do it. Like they probably just wrapped his foot in green and that's how they did it. But when Carrie loses his foot and then he turns the corner in the kitchen, yeah, <laughs> and it's just, just the, sh- the shock. Cause I, I didn't research anything about the family either going into it. And I would recommend to people who haven't seen it, please, please. I would plead with them. please, don't research the Von Erich family if you know nothing about it because that added so much to the first viewing for me. Because I was like you, I after I saw it the first time, I was on Wikipedia, I was on all kinds of stuff trying to figure out, you know, how how quickly all of this happened, you know, what exactly happened. The other brother that you mentioned is not even in it. So I would implore people to go see this movie with no prior knowledge of the family. But and there's a I scene love- where Carrie, get, he gets in a motorcycle accident. He's, he's a little drunk after winning the belt. Uh, so gets in a motorcycle accident, loses his foot, and he gets out of bed one morning. You see all the scratches on his back. He rolls over, grabs his crutches, comes downstairs, rounds the counter in the kitchen is like, obstructing the view of him his lower section and then he rounds the corner 
comes around the counter and his foot is gone. And it's, it, it was a shocking scene. Yeah. Like there was a audible gasp in both my theaters, both times I saw it where just like, wow. So that, that scene, even though it was probably really simple, like I said, like they probably just put a green sock on him and were able to CGI it out. But I thought that was pretty cool how they did that. Yeah, two, two things. Because I, I know we were ostensibly talking about Efron before we kind of got derailed a little bit there. I, I want to say um, big movie for tidy whiteies. Because I don't know how we're going to, if we're going to yeah. easel that in. Big movie for walking around in your tidy whiteies. Um, in front of your mother. Thi- in front of your mother. Um, <laughs> second thing is, I thought Efron gave the like line of the whole movie when he said, I used to be a brother. Yeah. Now I'm not a brother anymore. Like that hits you like a ton of bricks and how emotional he is when he's saying that. And I think, you know, if like there's an Oscar or like, if like they're doing the thing at the Oscars where they're showing the clips, that's what's going to get shown on the screen. Like when he's with his sons at the end of the movie. Absolutely. And I, I, I want to ask you this. Like I thought, watching that movie, I was like, okay, Kevin must have had his hands all over this movie. I was kind of surprised how little involvement Kevin actually had with the movie. Like, because Kevin Von Erich, very much still alive, and very much yeah. still... Um, huge family. Yeah, huge fan. Like, And another thing they left out is that Carrie has a daughter um, who's actually a professional wrestler herself. Um, a lot of them had wives and kids that aren't mentioned, but a lot of them I think are still, you know, in Kevin's general orbit. Kevin's like a, seems like a much nicer Fritz. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, well, I ironically, guess, that's a problem Kevin had with the movie. He's like, our dad wasn't that brutal. Like he, he was like, yeah, he was hard on us, but he wasn't this, this villain that the movie made him out to be. But you understand why yeah, the movie people have to do what they do, you know? I, I think we can be real with each other here, Zach. There were some Joe Jackson qualities to Fritz von Eric. Oh, God, yeah. God, yeah. Are you um, kidding me? Joe Jackson, uh, whatever Todd Marinovich's dad's name was. like Yeah. Like, um, Richard basically Williams. Basically giving these kids... Yeah. Like, giving, giving these kids no choice. Like, basically from the crib on... Your destiny is mapped out by your parents, specifically the dad in the scenario. So, uh, yeah, we'll get to Fritz a little bit later. But, but uh, you, you mentioned that that line at the end, which just a crushing line. But I have another one for Efron, and it's it's uh, when he goes back to the parents' house to try and find Carrie and he hears the gunshot and he comes out of the house and the no he lets out. Yeah. The no he lets out when he runs to the tree and finds Carrie on the ground. That makes your stomach drop. That made my stomach yeah. drop. That It was such a great like just like a I'm trying to think of the word for it. Like to 
to to just like describe how that no was like he just like he just like his soul got sucked out that's basically how it was trained I, I just thought it was a great 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 scene great delivery but you could just feel that his he it was the it, it, it was like his soul games yeah and god there were so many emotional parts of the movie you know let me let me ask you a question following off of that because i think a scene i don't know how people are talking about this because i haven't really i w- listened to the big picture about the episode and then you know i was curious how wrestling fans were talking about it so i listened to a the ring of wrestling show about it. Um, but other than that, I haven't consumed too much media specifically about this movie. How did you feel about the dream sequence that presumably happened in Kevin's mind after Carrie's passing? I thought it was, I thought it was touching. Uh, you know, you get to see the oldest brother that died as a child. You get to see the brothers all together one more time. Uh, I thought Harris Dickinson was pretty awesome in this movie. He wasn't in it. He's the first brother to die, so he's not in it for very long. But you could tell he did a great job of conveying that uh, David was kind of like the glue of the family. And everything everything kind of starts to unravel and go downhill after he dies. Uh, and that was one of the best shots in the movie, Alex, in the bathroom when at Kevin's wedding, when uh, David is just curling in the toilet and he slowly backs off and you see all the blood and you get this feeling in the pit of your stomach that it's not going to end well. And it doesn't end well. But what can, can we actually backtrack for a second here? So yeah. before before that scene, because I actually wanted to talk about this before that scene. Right. What did you think the movie was going to be about? Because I think at this point, we're like 45 minutes in. What did you think the movie was going to be about? I thought it was going to be about Kevin, you know, rising up the ranks, coming out of his shell, you know, meeting his wife, starting a family, uh, and then his career kind of takes off and he, you know, him and the brothers form this team and everything, everybody kind of goes through their own tragedy, but all the tragedies that happened, like they were all shared and it was mostly, it ended up being about how the tragedies shaped Kevin's life and really how the dad was mostly unaffected by it and he was like undeterred where like even after david died he's like you know we we press on we we don't shed a tear we we keep going to get the belt so that's kind of what i thought the movie was going to be about was more about more about how the family made their bones in wrestling but it ended up just being they made their bones but at great personal cost no let me just answer my own question real quick if you don't mind when we were at that point in the movie i thought it was just gonna be like okay these three brothers are competing with each other um i think mike was the name of the fourth one yeah mike and you know mike's kind of off to the side yeah he's off to the side doing his own thing 
you know, but I'm, I'm assuming he's going to be tangentially related to the family business, whatever. Um, and then what happened for me was that when that scene hits, right. When, um, you're at Kevin's wedding and he's in the bathroom, that's when it hit me. Oh no, we're going to see something a lot different. And then when Carrie hops on the motorcycle, I think, Oh no, we're about to lose another one. And then I realize, okay. Um, he didn't die, but I think obviously we saw what happened to Carrie Von Eric, who arguably in real life was probably the most successful of the Von Eric's. Like, right. You ask a wrestling fan about the Von Eric's like, cause you know, obviously that was a long ago. The last time, I mean, Carrie Von Eric died in 1993 and he was wrestling in WWF in 1992. And he actually wrestled against Shawn Michaels. His last match was against Shawn Michaels, a name a lot of people know. (laughs) And so it's kind of funny that way. Um, But it's it's just, you see all these like, I lost my train of thought here, but all these tragedies happening to Kevin and the, the tone of the movie just changed after the wedding, I thought, and it just felt like a punch in the face after a punch in the face from like kind of a cheerful and joyful movie in the first, what, 45 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, all of the tragedies kind of right in the movie anyway, they kind of get, you can point the finger at Fritz for causing because you know, the first one with David, it's like, you know, he comes in the locker room and he's like, David, you're going to compete for the heavyweight belt. You've earned it out of all your brothers. And you kind of feel like it's supposed to be Kevin because he's the oldest. And the, the other brothers even think it's supposed to be Kevin, but it ends up being David. He gets hurt, dies, which his death, it's just like, you know, Efron gets home one day and dad's sitting in the kitchen all mad, all sad. And he's like, what happened? He's like, David died, ruptured intestine. And you just like, shit. And then all the rest, the rest of it just goes downhill after that. And then you look at the next one uh, with Mike. Obviously, Fritz doesn't want him to be a musician, kind of forces wrestling onto him. Freak accident. And then you know, does what he does. Uh, really tough scene where he takes all the pills in the mirror. Uh, and then Carrie, I mean, Efron asks him to look after him on the phone. He basically brushes it off, ends up shooting himself. You know, so you can, in the movie anyway, you can point at the dad and be like, yeah, it's it's on him. All All the deaths are on him. And even at the end, when it ends... Even the mom is like, I didn't make dinner. I'm painting. You can help yourself. Like, even she's like, turned her back on it. So, and obviously Efron did too. So, I, I thought Holt McCallany put a, put a great performance. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. He was the overbearing patriarch for most of it. But there were times where you're like, hey, this guy, you know, caring dad. Uh, but I thought he put up a nice, a nice performance. I thought he gave 
second best performance in the movie behind Ephraim. That's that's a bold statement, but he also I yeah. When you think about it, he's basically the second lead. Not basically. I mean, Jeremy, Jeremy Allen White is the second biggest star, I would say. But and he he actually doesn't show up until about half hour in. Yeah. In terms of like actual people, screen yeah. time and whatnot, it's Holt McCallity. You, you have all these what ifs too, like, like uh, uh, Carrie supposed to go to the Olympics, and then uh, the United States boycotts the Olympics, so he can't go, so he gets into wrestling. Uh, you know, Mike wants to be a musician, doesn't work out, goes into wrestling, like. You have all of these. Carrie, you know, wins the coin toss against Kevin, goes on to win the belt, gets in the motorcycle. Like, if Kevin had won the belt, does he get drunk and get on a motorcycle? Probably not. You know, like, it all comes down to that coin toss they had on the porch. You know, it's just a lot of what ifs. And that's what makes it such a, such a tragedy house. You, you know, it's crazy though. Like, I'm I'm assuming you read a lot like I did, but I don't I don't, I don't know how much you read about Fritz von Erich like himself. Just a um, little bit. Do you know why they presume there's a curse on the von Erich family? Why? So I mean, you know their last name is Atkinson from the movie, yeah, right? Um, so Fritz started wrestling in the 1950s. Zach, I know you know history oh, decently well, right? Yeah. You know what had just ended after the 1950s? World War II? Yeah. And Von Erich, he was touring as a Nazi. Basically, the reason why his last name was Von Erich was because he was capitalizing as being a wrestling heel. Uh. Like, using the Nazi name. Obviously, like, if they delved into the whole origins of this I think that would have been like right. made it like a three hour movie they couldn't they were kind of they had way too much to work with here I think they did a good job chopping everything down I do feel like that kind of little bit of context though and also I think a Jewish man came up and said why are you doing this like a person who survived the holocaust came up and said why are you doing this to Fritz von Erich that they believe that's the origins of the curse. Obviously, it could be a little apocryphal, <laughs> right? You never know yeah. what's real and what's not in pro wrestling. But a lot of people believe that seems to be like the origins of the curse. I mean, that would make sense. It's a pretty shitty thing to do. So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it makes sense to me, but... You know, Alex, ironically, we've gotten a lot of wrestling movies or just martial arts slash boxing movies that have been really good. So it brings me brings me to the question here. And, you know, there might be some recency bias here, but I feel like you'll have a list ready. And I think I know a couple that will be on the list. But how high is this on your Sports movie rankings. And so many sports movies I haven't seen. 
I mean, Rocky forever will be number one. Just straight up. Will be forever and always number one. Can't be Rocky. Um, I mean, it has to be top five, right? What's well the one with Christian Bale? Is that the fighter? The fighter, yeah. I Maybe the fighter, the Iron Claw, and um, Rocky, top three. I Off the top of my head. Oh, Alex, you're killing me. Why am I... Why am I killing you? What movie? You're killing. You're killing. I'm maybe I'm thinking just fighting here, but I love the fighter. You're killing me. Moneyball, Alex. See, I don't like. I don't think of us that in like the same way. I think of like Field of Dreams or like. I guess that is a sports movie technically. It's a different kind of sports movie. I mean, yeah. I mean, you see where I, got- why I didn't think of that right away. <laughs> Well, compared to Rocky and and you know the fighter and movies like that, obviously it's not with the first one that would come to mind. But Moneyball, I think, gets points for it. Like invented a new idea of a sports movie. Like, yes, it's a sports movie, but it it doesn't take place on the field. It's about how they tried to change a sport from the inside. You know, it, it's it's different. Different kind yeah. of different kind of sports storytelling. Uh, I wrote I wrote a couple down. I had a mix of my favorite ones and ones I thought were the best. So I had Rocky down. Uh, there's probably a couple Rocky slash Creed movies you could put here. Creed one, I think you could put here. Uh, I had Moneyball. I had Jerry Maguire. Alex, you know, I was just bowing down to Tom Cruise earlier. Uh, <laughs> Jerry Maguire is another one that really doesn't take place on the field. It's kind of about the business side of sports, uh, with obviously a little romance put in. But Tom Cruise screwed up an Oscar for that, by the way. Uh, Warrior, you ever seen Warrior, Alex? I have not. No. Incredible movie uh, with Tom Hardy and, and Joel Edgerton, Nick Nolte. That's a must-watch. I, I feel that would be a good double feature with this, actually, with the Iron Claw. Warrior and the Iron Claw. That would be an excellent double feature. Uh, Rudy. I'm always a sucker for Rudy, Alex. Just gives you chills. Ford versus Ferrari. Uh, a little more recent, but really I, I would not have thought of that as a sports movie, but technically you're right. <laughs> then you might take issue with this. You might take issue with this. The Hustler, a billiards movie. Do you I count? Extend- no, I can. I'll, I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Okay. I- I'll allow it. I'll allow I, it. I love that. I love that movie. I, I like Paul Newman a lot. Nice black and white movie. It's about. It's basically like guys on top of the world loses everything. It's your traditional sports story, like. Crippling loss, alienates everyone, has to come back on top. It's like it's just your classic, your classic sports triumph. Uh, is this the saddest sports movie? Probably, right? One of, um, say this or like Million Dollar Baby. Yeah, most sports stories or most sports movies are designed to have like you know 
organically happy endings, you know, like not to shit on sports movies, but like the whole point of them is that, you know, there's a defined winner and loser and ideally your protagonist is the winner. And right. Nobody likes seeing the loser, right? I mean, hell, even we can even put this in uh, comic book movies. You couldn't have ended the MCU on Infinity War. Could you imagine the outrage there would have been? Nobody likes ending things on a loser. So I think this movie, why it's such like a, a faithful retelling is like they didn't leave any of the emotions out, you know, like, and I think a lot of like a lot of directors would have gone for the soapier side of things like, oh, you know, we need to make it softer. We need to make it more palatable for our audiences. But they didn't do that. And they made it, they didn't pull any punches, you know, unlike wrestlers. And, well, you know, wrestlers have to pull punches. They can't actually, you know, (laughs) punch each other. (laughs) Oh, they can throw each other on concrete, though. They can throw each other on concrete, but... Now I, I have to imagine it's safer to be a wrestler now than it was in the uh, in the 1980s. I, I have to imagine. Oh, probably. Um, another aside because I don't know when I'm going to have a chance to mention this. You brought up Ric Flair earlier. Could they have done a worse Ric Flair? Dude, that's that's what Bryce said. That's one of the first things Bryce said when we were leaving the theater. Or is that that the guy who played Ric Flair was not good? And That's the first thing. It didn't, look, it didn't even look like Ric Flair. You have to get the woo down. There's like right. one thing. Ric Flair has one signature. He has one thing everyone knows him for. It's woo. The, that was the a better... only part of that scene I liked was the music and then the card when it came up. Ric Flair versus Kevin Von Erich. That that was cool with the music, you know, but the, I don't know. There's some. You're right. He didn't nail that. Which, if you're playing Ric Flair, I feel like that's step one. Practice that and nail that. Like, but the other parts of the impression, even I in the live locker room after it, like I didn't even like that, you know. Yeah, it it kind of felt weird and out of place, you know. Like, I I think one thing this movie. I, I guess you could appreciate the fact they weren't going too hard on the fan service for wrestling fans, right? Like, oh, because Rock's the Rock's dad. Like, I was looking it up. Like, oh, did the, was the Rock involved with the Von Erichs at all? Rock's the Rock's dad, Rocky Johnson, wrestled against uh-huh. the Von Erichs. You could have you could have reasonably thrown a, a young Rock in the movie, but it kind of would have thrown off the vibe. You know, you could have thrown Stone Cold Steve Austin in the crowd because he was in the crowd, but it would have thrown off the vibe. So that was probably good on their part but you have to nail rick flair <laughs> people know rick flair that don't know wrestling yeah uh, especially it seemed like they were saving him for last because that was kind of like the last fight of yeah. the movie and like i said i really like the music in that scene and the card the versus card that was it that was really it uh that's really my only gripe with the movie was that scene and that guy playing Ric Flair. I just didn't think he did a good job. When that that's really your it. only gripe, that's that's pretty good. 
It's very good. Very good. Now, you know, limited budget. Did they did they have limited options on who they could cast as Ric Flair? Maybe, but at least you could have you could have got the trademark down, right? At yeah. least you could have done. I don't know. Not every movie's Small. gonna be a ten out of ten, right? I mean, we can find flaws in the Dark Knight. Oh yeah. Yeah, we can. We did it. We did it once. We did it. But uh Alex, January twenty third, the nominees for the Oscars get announced. And you know, from the article I was referencing earlier, doesn't really look like it's gonna get a lot of buzz. It wasn't it wasn't projected to be nominated for Best Picture, Efron not projected, uh Durkin not projected for Best Director. Not projected for original screenplay, which I feel like I don't know. And this is a, this is going to be a really good Oscars, so it's tough that it feels like this is the movie that's going to get left out of most of the big categories. But Alex, a, a, an Oscar question for this movie? Obviously, I think if you give out one Oscar, it would be to Efron, right? Yes, if you had to pick one. So. If you can only give out one best supporting actor Oscar in this movie, only only one. Who which one are you giving to? I'm gonna go off the board here. We haven't talked about her at all. Maura Tierney in this movie was phenomenal as the mother. Like she was. Exactly what you'd expect out of a mother from conservative 1980s Texas, right? It's about when that would have been. Yeah. Conservative 1980s Texas, you know, especially with someone like Fritz, you know, and how strong she tried to be while not being maintaining the strength. I thought there was just a lot of layers to her performance. I don't really think I I think I would nominate her. Or give her the Oscar. But Holt McCallany would be a very close second. Like, I thought the parents in this movie nailed it. I don't really think there was a... Other than the Ric Flair guy, I don't really think there was a bad performance. Me neither. I thought everybody was great. Uh, You know, Jeremy Allen White, really on top of the world right now, Alex. He really can't do any wrong. He's in maybe the best show on TV right now. Uh... He's in one of the best movies of the year. Guy can't miss right now. And thought about giving it to him. Thought about giving it to Harris Dickinson, but I just didn't think he was in the movie long enough. But I thought he did a great job in the time he was given. Now, granted, the Academy's given nominations to people who have been in movies for like three minutes. But I just, for my taste, he wasn't in it long. So I would give it to Holt McCallany just because there were times, like I said, like you're like, okay, this guy's a caring father. Like once, once his kids to do well, trying to help him do well. And then there's other times when he says, if you sell this business, you can forget walking into my house again. So, you know, stuff, stuff like that. But, uh, seems like it's going to get left out at the Oscars. I'm not outraged by it. You know, I'm upset by it, but it's just such a great year for movies that something was inevitably 
gonna get left out but that brings us can to I, can i ask yeah. you a question before we start because i know where you're going with this like, let me let me yes. leave the transition here zach and i are going to be doing our five best movies of 2023 i have not seen as many movies as zach has i i think the um layperson would probably know this but zach you have a pretty um you keep track of movie years this is the 2023 was the best movie year since blank it and i said this on a pod last year at the end of the year last year when i was doing when i was previewing movies going into 2023 i said it had the potential to definitely be the best movie post covid and possibly the best movie year since 2019 and if you remember 2019 alex that was like that was parasite that was 1917 that was once upon a time in Hollywood, time. Joker, Ford vs. Ferrari, The Irishman, Avengers Endgame, like Little Women, like you couldn't miss that year. There was there was no missing. Marriage Story, like you go on and on. So I feel like this is the best movie year since 2019, which in my opinion was an all-time year. I don't think this is an all-time year. We might look back in a few years and be like, holy shit, that was a great year. But I think it's a holy shit year in terms of who made movies this year. Because you had Christopher Nolan, you had Martin Scorsese, uh, David Fincher, Alexander Payne, Ben Affleck, Greta Gerwig. Like, you had massive, massive Wes Anderson. Like, you had all-time great directors, all of them saying... You know, I'm going to put out some heat this year. And, and most of them did. Most of them did. I mean, it was, it was awesome. So it was awesome movie year from that perspective. Uh, and I definitely think it's the best one since 2019 without question. That's, that's saying something right there. Um, there's a lot of movies this year I wanted to see that I just didn't get around to. Um, I'll be curious to see which of those are on my list. I'm guessing a few. Um, but Zach, why don't you start? What was, what, do you just want to do this one through five or do you want to do this? You do one, I, five I do one. one. Okay. You go ahead and go first then. Okay. Curious. I got, I got a few honorable mentions. Um, I got, I got air really tried hard to put this in my top five, uh, but I, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. There were, there were two, there were better choices. There were better choices. Uh, I had a pipe dream. This would be nominated for best picture, but it's it's not going to. But awesome movie if you haven't seen it. It's on Prime, right? Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, best Marvel movie for quite some time. Quite some time. That's an awesome something. movie. Yes. Uh, I Barbie off my top five. Uh, it should be nominated wow. for best picture. I'm I'm not I'm not here for people saying it shouldn't be nominated for best picture. It absolutely should be. Okay, good movie, good movie. Uh, Anatomy of a Fall. Watched this last week. Uh, getting a lot of of praise. Absolutely should could have the best actress winner in it. Uh, so that's good. And then Gran Turismo. Gran Turismo, the movie. 
The movie that made me eat a buffet of shit, Alex. A movie that I mocked basically from day one. Went and saw it and walked out of there feeling absolutely owned. And I didn't even care because it was it was awesome. So that movie's on Netflix right now, so check that out. Uh, but my number five, Alex, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Okay. Uh, one of the most jaw-dropping endings to a movie that I can think of. A mo- Not in that it was like it, it was just stunning like wow that's the end like that's it like it, fe- it felt like there were like 20, 20 minutes left you know and then it just ended well technically there are more than 20 minutes left if you want to think about it that way <laughs> I mean there definitely are but you know I mean you and I have gone on and on about this franchise and uh yeah, so that that's my number five. Uh, an absolute shoe in for animated feature. There's, there's, I mean, that's it's no contest. Absolutely. So then my number five, Zach. Um, let me just pull up my list here for real quick. So I thought you were doing my number five. I did not see as many movies as you, so I have to go to the bottom of the barrel here. This isn't really bottom of the barrel because this was still a really good movie. I'm going Creed 3. Nice. I'm going to have some some of your honorable mentions on my list. Um, but Okay. First Rocky without um Sly, which Sly wasn't particularly happy about. But I thought Michael B Jordan did a good job. And Yeah, I mean I don't really have anything else to say that you haven't already said cuz I know you love this movie. But I Creed 3 you know, <laughs> again, it's not going to be near the quality of the movies you have on your list because I didn't see nearly as many 2023 movies as you did this year. But nothing against Creed 3. Creed 3 would probably be close to your top five in a lot of other years. It would. I mean, it was my favorite of the Creed movies. Uh, I had it really high on my Rocky rankings. I just, I loved it. I loved it. It was, it, it had a different feel than all the rest of the movies in the franchise. He did a good job. He he did a good job of navigating Rocky not being in the movie because you almost yeah. didn't notice, which is really almost impossible to do. And he 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 did it. So it seems like he's taking the franchise from Stallone. Uh, maybe Stallone's handing it off a little bit too, but I don't think we've seen the last of Stallone either. To that franchise, so I, I like that. I like that. I love. I love Creed for it. Uh, what's your number four? My number four is one of your honorable mentions. Air. Um, yeah. You know I'm a sucker for Goodwill Hunting, so naturally, I guess it makes sense that one of my favorites from this last year has my two. It's one of my favorite movie pairs of all time. Um, it didn't have uh, Phil Knight telling. Oh, what's his fucking name? Why can't I remember his name right now? Telling Sonny Matt Vicaro. Damon to Sonny Vaccaro to um that if he shows up at his house tomorrow, they'll be the happiest he's ever been. But you know, you'll have to make do. But I love that they didn't actually ever show Michael Jordan's face. Like he was like kind of just like a ghost. That was a specter yeah. of the whole movie. I thought that was a really good stylistic choice. Because it would have been easy to like be like, oh, this is Michael Jordan. 
but you kind of have the same problem with Ric Flair, right? Like no one's going to be happy with who's playing Michael Jordan. So, and obviously Viola Davis, right? Viola oh. Davis was, yeah. Viola Davis was incredible. Handpicked by Michael Jordan to play his right. That's right. So just an incredible movie all around. Um, again, any other year, this probably makes your top five. <laughs> oh, for sure. I forgot to mention it on favorite sports movies. See, that, that counts, right? Counts. It, it definitely counts. If you're putting Moneyball in there, it's the same idea. Yeah, good, good point. Behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, my number four is The Killer. Uh, one of my most anticipated movies of the year by my favorite director, David Fincher. And Really awesome performance from Michael Fassbender. I, I didn't think he had this in him to just go stone cold mode and really monotonous performance and tone. Just a robot, basically. Yeah, I mean, probably sounds easy to do, to do, but if you look at what he's done in the past, he really hasn't done anything like this. So it was a nice... uh I don't know. Good to see him again. I, I think he's a great actor. He's just not in a lot of movies, it feels like, recently. And him and Fincher turned out to be a really good pair. So check it out on Netflix uh, if you haven't. But I, I'm a Fincher simp. So, you know, you can you can consider that in your opinion. But uh, this is my number four, <laughs> The Killer. What's your, what's your number three, Zach? Let's just, let's just go back and forth like this. My number three, Killers of the Flower Moon. Naturally. Uh, kind of shocking to see Leo is not being projected for a nomination for Best Actor. Because for a couple months there, in my head, it was going to be Leo versus Killian Murphy. And one of them was going to come out on top. And now people are projecting that he's not even going to be there. Which is just shocking to me that Leo can be in a Martin Scorsese movie or any movie, period, and not be a projected nominee for the Oscar. It's just kind of baffling, but awesome movie, awesome De Niro performance. I don't know how many more of those we're going to get, unfortunately, not to be club or, you know, it's not, not to be dark. But just a fact, I don't know how many more we're going to get. Don't know how many more Scorsese movies we're going to get. So if you saw this in the theater, good for you. If you didn't, uh, I think it's on Apple this month. Or I just it just got a release date for Apple. So check it out. It's worth the time. Don't be turned away by the runtime. It's unlike any Scorsese or DiCaprio you've ever seen. I'll say that. I'm going to look up um, the release date for Apple because I'm pretty sure. So it'll be coming out. You can watch this movie on Apple TV plus the day this podcast release, which I will be doing because I miss this movie in the theaters. Zach, I have a confession to make. I'm not, I'm not proud of this. I did not listen to your killers of the flower moon podcast for two months after it released because I was trying to avoid it. Then I realized, you know what? It has been two months. <laughs> hey, I was like, 
<laughs> well, this movie actually came out while I was on vacation. And I got back. So the movie came out on a Friday. I got back on Monday and went and saw it on Tuesday. I, I just did, I didn't want to wait. I didn't want to wait. And kind of similar to the Iron Claw, I didn't do any research going into the movie. I knew nothing about the murders or the, you know, the whole story behind it. And it's just, it's, it's almost as sad as Iron Claw, honestly, if not sadder. I just know what's his name. Ernest Burkhart, right? That's his name. Yes. I just know he's a piece of shit. That's, that's all I know. And, um, I coincidentally will be going on. Yes. Lily Gladstone is probably going to win Best Actress. It's either going to be her or the lady from Anatomy of a Fall. Uh, career-making performance. No question. Well, I'm going to go next. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and do my three and two. My three is Iron Claw. Um, I thought it was, you know, we, we've already talked about this movie enough, but just really well done while we're talking about movies just like in general because i don't i wanted to ask you how did you think the pacing of iron claw was because i wanted to ask you about that that was like the one question i had for you um how did you like think they handled the timeline and the pace of how fast everything moved i thought it was handled really well uh i did want to look up after i saw it how far apart the deaths were. But I thought it was paced pretty well where you you could tell in the beginning that Kevin's the top dog, everything's shaping up for him, and then one thing leads to another, and then it's David's turn, and then it's Carrie's turn, and then it's Mike's turn, and then it's Kevin's turn again. And then everything just wraps itself up in a really dark way. So I thought, I think the movie clocks in at a little over two hours. And I think they covered all the bases within, within that time. Within reason, because there are people who are upset about Chris Von Eric's exclusion, but what are you like? You can't have a two and a half. If a 24 is telling you, look, we're not making this movie. If you do this, and you're really passionate about the project like Durkin was and like Efron was. And if, especially if you get the okay from Kevin, like just fucking do it, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, my number two was your number five spider verse. Nice. I mean, this is on brand for me, isn't it? Um, Oh yeah. I was incredibly giddy. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) um i was incredibly giddy when this movie came out and it lived up to my expectations i was i agree with you on like oh it felt like they were leaving a lot on the table but then you know hopefully this new movie is being released this year like they say it is based on what they're saying about like oh they leave so much done till the last minute i hope (laughs) It's not like, oh, they finished the movie on May 22nd. The movie's done like in theaters on May 23rd. 
you know, like yeah. I'm hoping that's not the take, case, but take your time. Exactly. I'd rather them not rush the ending of this trilogy because we deserve, you know, well, technically isn't this the same movie? Isn't this a two part? Technically, movie? I mean, it's going to pick up right where this one left off. Uh, yeah. I guess you could say it's like part two. In any event, I think that this movie was worth the five-year wait between one and two. God, yeah. And um, everything about it was just perfect, and I can't wait to see three. Um, I would be surprised if we don't have the same number one, but what is your number two? Well, really quick. Into the Spider-Verse or Across the Spider-Verse? Which one's better? Hmm... See, there's a, yeah, there's a concerning lack of Nicolas Cage in Across the that there nudges <laughs> nudges the results um, towards Into the Spider-Verse's direction. But Across the Spider-Verse has a, I think, much better villain. Oh yeah, I know Kingpin. I Kingpin was awesome, but I I think in a lot of respects, and plus two, you know, ending on a cliffhanger like that. I think what Into the Spider Verse has going for it is that we know how like the story ends on that. We're in the middle of the story, like the cliffhanger yeah, no, is so please. massive at the end of Across the Spider Verse. Like, I don't think it's a one to one comparison here. It it took the ending of Far From Home and is that was a cliffhanger ending too. Took the ending of Far From Home and just like multiplied it by by ten. And it the fact that it ended so abruptly just again jaw dropping ending. Uh but my number two is the holdovers. Uh a movie Another that movie I wasn't I initially see. Yeah, I wasn't initially planning to see it in theaters, but I wanted to go on a Tuesday to AMC. I just wanted to go see something, and I picked this, and I'm glad I did. Uh, Giamatti, awesome. It's to the point now where if he wins Best Actor, I have zero issue with it. Uh, it's a movie I definitely want to see again. And... I, people are calling it a Christmas classic now. I would agree. Uh, the way it's filmed, it looks like it's from like the seventies. Uh, just a movie you have to see uh, about a teacher and a student. Uh, the bonds, two unlikely people, uh, and, and a, a great performance from. Divine Joy Randolph, she's probably going to win Best Supporting Actress. She should uh, just see this movie. See this movie. Uh, I think it's under two hours if you're at runtime. Oh, no, it's not. It's just over two hours, but it's on Peacock right now. Uh, you can watch it on there. So, G- a good ending, too. Really tearjerker ending. Uh, but awesome movie. And I didn't think I would have it at number two, but as I was forming these rankings, it just went higher and higher and it ended up at number two. 
there, there's no way we both don't have Oppenheimer at number one, right? I mean, no, it's Oppenheimer. It's Oppenheimer. It's Oppenheimer. Uh, <laughs> it's this. If it doesn't win Best Picture, like, I might never watch the Oscars again. Wow. Like, what, what's what's the point, dude? What's the point? I mean, what more do you want from a movie than this? You know, this is one of our great, our one of our great directors ever. You know, definitely of the past twenty years, but ever at this point, I think it's fair to say, like, just giving you his best work, borderline, and you 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 have to appreciate that. If you are the, if you're the Academy, you're getting one of the best performances from a lead actor that we've seen. It, it definitely of the 2020s. I mean, we're only four years into it, but it might be the best performance of the 2020s, Alex, from Killian Murphy. Great cast. Honestly. I mean, there's nobody, nobody in this cast where you're like, he sucked or she sucked. Like everyone was, everyone was great. Jason Clark, speaking of pounding the table, Alex, how many times did he pound the table? The memes gone everywhere. Like, honestly, everyone, everyone in this movie was awesome. I, it caused a physical media resurgence. I mean, they ran out of 4K copies of this at Best Buy and Amazon. Like, you, you couldn't. People were clamoring to get this. They ran out. Like, that doesn't happen anymore. This is in the 90s, you know? You don't run out of you don't run out of these things. And they ran out of it. They ran out of copies of Oppenheimer. I just it has to win. It just has to win. It just does. If it doesn't win, are you gonna go to Los Angeles and riot yourself? I'm not gonna riot, but I'll I'll be crushed. I'll be I'll be crushed. My faith in the voting body, you know, is already very shaken. As I've said, you know, that's that's probably the staple of this pod, Alex, is shitting on the academy. Mm-hmm. But I'll have nothing left to say if they don't give it to Oppenheimer, because it just what are you gonna say? What are you gonna say? Like there's clearly a bias against Christopher Nolan if they don't give it to him. He should have won it for Dunkirk, in my opinion. They gave it the shape of water instead. What movie are people? What movie are people talking about today, Alex? Are they talking about Shape of Water? Or are they talking about Dunkirk? True. Talking to be fair, I, really, I I haven't heard much conversation about either movie, but that's just me. <laughs> well, they're talking about Dunkirk. Yeah. You just have you have to do it. You have to do it. And I honestly think it's the best movie of the year. I honestly do. I'm not just saying that because I love the guy. Like, I honestly think it's the best movie of the year. Well, I would agree with that. I mean, I had it as my number one as well. Um, That was a mind-numbing experience in the movie theater. Absolutely. One of the absolute best experiences and the switches between the black and the white and the the black and white and the color scenes and just everything 
it was just a perfect movie. Not perfect, but there were obviously little holes you could poke in it, but goodness, everything about it was just so great. Like Florence Pugh, amazing. Killian Murphy, amazing. Um, Josh Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, Josh Hartnett. He was the name I was going to say. Um, Matt Damon. Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt. <laughs> just like everyone you could think of in the movie. Jason Clark. Um, everyone. Who's the guy who played Han Solo? Alden Ehrenreich. Josh Peck. Josh Peck. <laughs> we don't have to go that far. <laughs> Benny, Benny Safdie. Didn't like Josh Peck just push a button? Yes, Josh Peck. You want to say he had a bit role, but can you consider it a bit role when he's the one who actually detonated the nuke? Josh Peck detonated the nuke. It's it's a fair question. <laughs> one that I don't want to put the thought into right now. Um, a lot of great stuff from that movie. Awesome Just stuff. One of the best. Deserving Best Picture winner. Although, to be fair, Zach, I think there's about like seven deserving Best Picture winners this year. Oh, it's not like... It seems like this year is like a stacked movie year. I agree. I mean, you have this, you have Killers of the Flower Moon, you have the Holdovers, you got Anatomy of a Fall, you got... And honestly, some that probably won't be nominated, like The Killer, like Spider-Verse, uh, like the Iron Claw, which aren't going to be nominated. And Iron Claw was named one of the top 10 films by the National Board of Review, which is a big deal. That I, I take a lot of stock into the, the National Board of Review. And they had it as one of their top 10. But it's... If you don't hear from me that night, if Oppenheimer doesn't win and you don't hear from me that night, just know that I'm fine. Okay? Just know that I'm okay. But I'm... I'm processing. Okay? I'll make sure to keep it in mind. Yeah. Uh, well, Alex, what do you want to plug before we uh, hang it up tonight? So this will be coming out on Friday. Um, I'm going to attempt to record a power hour. Who knows if that will be successful? If it's not, you will just be hearing this. Um, in any event, make sure you check this out. Um, the Power Hour, if it does come out, will be the Rockets and the Suns. Um, Zach, I don't know. I don't know if you're ready for this. KD probably deserves first team All NBA consideration. For I don't know how bad they would be if he was off the team. I'm just, I watched one of their games. I think they'd be. Really I was bad. like, yeah, I like I was in awe. <laughs> and just like. One player could make that much of a difference from them being bad on defense, from them being the Pistons on defense. Oh, it's and to real the point quick, where if, if he gets hurt they're Like they're done. done. Another thing to pr- another thing to promote. Me being right about the Texans. Now, am I glad they beat my Colts? Absolutely not. No. Absolutely not. But 
am I happy that I was right about the Texans winning the division? Zach, what week was that that I co-hosted and said that the Texans could win the division? Was that week five or six? That was like... It was... Or was it week eight? It was pretty early in the season. Whenever they started catching fire, it was like midway through the season. Like week week eight or ten. We'll call it week eight. The point is, I saw the vision. I saw that the Jaguars were frauds. And I saw that the Houston Texans would win the division. Now, don't talk to me about my Vikings prediction. Okay? Don't talk to me about that. But talk to me nice about about my Texans prediction being absolutely right. Again, not happy about who it came at the expense of. But we had a great season. The Colts did. And I had a great season getting that AFC South prediction right. Zach, what do you have to plug? (laughs) Well, this will be out uh, soon. And then uh, back shoulder fade. Uh, Me and Caleb did our best wildcard weekend bets uh, yesterday. I've already placed some bets for wildcard weekend. I got a parlay on Lions Rams, uh, the same one that I mentioned on air yesterday. And then uh, I got a parlay on Browns Texans, speaking of the Texans. You can get CJ Stroud at plus money to throw over one and a half touchdowns. I hammered that uh, with, with joy. Uh, this afternoon, so. And then uh, I'm on Linsanity, the rest of the playoffs. A tradition like no other, like the Masters, uh, my schmuck self on Linsanity for the NFL playoffs. So I am booking a Philadelphia Eagles loss to the Tampa wow. Bay Buccaneers. I think that team is done and cooked, and they can't handle adversity. And I, unfortunately give the Miami Dolphins 0% chance of going into Arrowhead and winning. I don't think there is a chance in hell they they can win. Those are my locks of the weekend. I, I'm with you more than I was with Caleb on the um, on the Chiefs versus Dolphins game. Caleb was really insistent on the Chiefs. Caleb was insistent on the Dolphins. He was insisting oh, yeah, on the on, Dolphins, on the Chiefs losing. He, he, he was that's what. Yeah, yes, he was, and, and he he thought the spread was too big. Uh, it's up to four and a half now. But listen, man, if you liked what you saw from the Dolphins the last two weeks of the season, uh, it feels all right for you. It feels all right for you. So that's what I got, Alex. Uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks for talking about the Iron Claw. Thanks, Zach Efron. For opening our eyes to what kind of actor you can be. And I am very excited to see what else he's going to do. So uh, thanks for listening. And as always, catch us on the Running Hook Network.